Hey guys, welcome to Big Church Online. We are so excited that you've joined us today. If you're looking for any sermons or words of encouragement, you've come to the right place. While you're here, please subscribe, like, comment, share. That way you can stay up to date and help others find it as well. Now, let's get this week's sermon in progress. I'm really excited. I love this series that you guys are in. I know that we're going to be talking about relationships over the next few weeks. Everyone loves some relationships in their life. Amen. Some of you are like, well, I don't know, you know, (laughs) figuring this out this morning, maybe on the way to church, who knows. Uh, But here's the reality. Relationships are a direct impact of our relationship with God, you know, and it's really important that we handle the relationships in our lives well. And today I'm going to talk about singleness, but I'm also going to talk about waiting. And so if you're taking notes this morning, uh, the title of my message is Waiting Room. Look at your neighbor and say, Waiting Room. Because I don't know about you, but I have been in some pretty terrible waiting rooms. Uh, I have three kids, like I said, seven, five, three. So I've spent my fair share of time in some jank waiting rooms, amen? I've been through, you know, the doctor's office. I've been through different appointments. And you know the ones that smell bad. You know the ones that don't have good magazines. They haven't updated them in the last 10 years. They got the grody mints that haven't been touched in probably a couple years. Uh, You just go in and you immediately want to put hand sanitizer on because you're like, where am I? What am I doing? God, just get me through and get me to my appointment. I have been in some rough waiting rooms in my life. Uh, But here's the reality. I've also been in some incredible waiting rooms. I don't know about you, but I've been, anybody got a massage before, a pedicure before, maybe been to a spa and you walk in and you're treated like royalty. They walk in and they're like, what can we do for you? Here's this, come sit down in our couch. Would you like a snack? There is waiting rooms that are beautiful and amazing and, and that make you feel like royalty. Um, I've spent my my fair share of time in waiting rooms. And depending where you are, it really does depend on the type of waiting room that you're in. Now, my favorite ones are obviously the ones that are catered to me, finding me the snacks, finding me the things. But the waiting rooms here are essential in your experience for your appointment. And God, I believe, brought me this morning to tell you this, that how you wait matters. How you wait matters. The point in sharing, you know, these terrible experiences and these amazing experiences is going back to this point that how you wait matters. And I believe, you know, we're going to talk to singles today, but some of you might just be in this season where you are waiting, waiting on God to bring you a significant other, waiting on God to open a door for you, waiting on God to answer a prayer, waiting on God to do something significant, but how you wait matters. So can we go ahead and just pray this morning? Jesus, God, we thank you for this word, God, that we're going to lean in today and learn that how we wait matters. Lord, I thank you for everyone in this room that's believing for something, that's holding on to your promises, that's leaning into your truth. Lord, I just pray that through these words, through this message today, that we would be able to get what you are speaking directly to us today, Father. I pray, God, that anything that I have to say would just fall to the floor, but God, that your words would speak directly through me in this morning. Lord, we love you and we thank you. 
in Jesus' name. Man, how you wait matters. I'm just, I felt like, I felt like as soon as she told me that we're gonna be talking about singleness, that was like the first thing that came to my head. I'm like, man, it is just so important what you do in this season. It is so important how you handle this season. Um, and some of you might not be waiting on your significant other. Some of you, again, might be waiting for a relational healing in your life. Maybe there's someone in your family and God is working this relation, restoring a relationship. Some of you might be waiting for the marriage that you're currently in to look a little different. You're like, man, I really thought our lives would look like this at this point in our journey. I really thought my family would be living in this promise at this point in my journey. And some of us are just waiting. And I want to remind you this morning that how you wait really is going to matter. And we're going to find uh, through the text today how that, how that works. And we're going to go through some points of how we can wait well. In Hebrews chapter 6, this chapter is addressing the danger of Christians who are failing to persevere by faith to the end. But we see in Hebrews 6.15, it says, Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received that he received what God had promised. And there's a couple other versions of this that I really love. It says, Abraham stuck it out and got everything that God promised him. Look at your neighbor and say, he stuck it out. He stuck it out. <laughs> he stuck it out. And another version also says, and so after waiting patiently, Abraham obtained the promise. And so again, it matters how we wait. And this passage is actually referring to a story that takes place in Genesis 17, where the Lord is making a covenant with Abraham and states to him, he's like, you're going to be a father of many nations. Well, if you know the story in that chapter between Abraham and Sarah, they were believing for a child and they had been waiting a very long time. There was a long period between the moment where Jesus said, I am going to make you a father of many nations, and, the, and then them actually getting to have a child. And so in Genesis 16, the Lord said to, in Genesis 16, uh, Sarah, she, she's getting impatient. And rightly so. They're believing for a miracle from God. They're believing that they're going to have a son. But she gets impatient, and she says, to Abraham, she says, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go and sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. And so after Abraham had been living in Canaan for 10 years, Sarah took his wife, took, her to, took the Egyptian maidservant Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. And so we find in this story that Sarah and Abraham, though they were waiting on the promise of God, they grew impatient. And what happens when we grow impatient with God? Well, singles, it seems like we often try to take matters into our own hands. We grow impatient. We get frustrated. We're believing for God to do something. He's not doing things the way that we thought he would. And maybe that's not relationally. Maybe that's in our jobs. And maybe we're like, we're, we got we to gotta switch boats. We got to jump out of this line. We got to figure this out. Are, are, you, are you ever the person that's at the grocery store and you're like looking for the shorter line? Like, and you're, you're almost standing between two because you're waiting to say, okay, which one's going to go quicker? Because I'm going to jump in the one that's quicker. And a lot of us have lived our life this way because we want to be in control. 
we want to determine when God's going to answer the prayer. And I think for a lot of us singles in here, it's like we know that God has promised us this life, this marriage, this covenant. And we're like, man, I have been waiting. I just don't see God moving. And he's like, I just want you to wait well. I just want you to wait well because sometimes God's just not worried about changing our circumstances. He really wants to change us. God made that covenant with Abraham and Sarah and the waiting got hard for them. The waiting got hard. And some of us in this room, we've been waiting on God. Maybe it's been five years, two years, and we are losing it. We are losing it. We're trying, we're getting frustrated. We're getting resentful. Even when we're worshiping, we're, we're lifting our hands. We're coming to the altar, but we're mad at God. Like, God, you told me by now I should, I should see this coming to fruition in my life. And God's like, I just want you to wait well. We often are in our prayer time and we're like, God, you have forsaken me. I thought at this point I would see what you've promised me. I thought for at this point, and I felt that way. I remember very specifically being in college. Well, first, I was in Eddie James Ministries with Mayshaw, and she found her husband immediately, like the first week, which is rude. I'm like, okay, how did you get, how, did, how does that happen? Um, so she's like in this serious relationship, my best friends. She's like, yep, this is my husband, literally still married today. They have two kids, been married nine years, right? Nine years, 10 years. And I'm like, okay, well, how did you get that card? Because I've been, I've been praying the same prayers, and my husband has not showed up yet, okay? Um, and so then I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to Bible college, because that's where you get your MRS degree. I don't know if you knew this, but you can go to college and get your, you know, your other degree. But I was like, surely in Dallas, Texas, at Christ for Nations Institution, there is going to be a man of God that is gonna be so in love with me that he is going to propose within the first few months of me being in this ministry school. I was like, I was determined. And I get there and nothing, no, no husband. There, I just was chilling. I'm like, Lord, I really felt like you, I was gonna get this husband when I came to Bible school and I, I see all my friends getting engaged, people are getting married. And I'm like, Lord, you have forsaken me for real. And I just grew weary, man. I just remember that season feeling really forgotten, really rejected, really not enough, and feeling like, man, is God ever going to come through? And then it was so funny because I actually ended up meeting my husband in my hometown, which I'm like from a town smaller than this town, um, which is like impossible to meet anybody ever. And the fact that my husband was literally hidden for such a time as this until I moved home and began to walk in my purpose that is when God revealed who I was going to marry. But some of us get so frustrated, man. We, we, we let it take us out. We let it just completely defeat us. We let it just completely pull us away from the promises of God. But if we look at this story, Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years. And I remember those two years that I waited from joining the ministry to going to Bible school but between that time that I was really believing for it and meeting my husband. And I just thought that the world was over. And I just felt like during that season, God was not trying to just answer my prayers. He really was trying to teach me to wait well. I believe that some of us even end up walking away from God when he doesn't answer us. 
We might not physically walk away from the church. You might be here today, but there might be things in your heart that you've been asking God to do in your life. Maybe it's a child that you're believing for. Or maybe it's a job, a position, a role, a ministry, uh, a, an open door, uh, a child to come back to the Lord. Whatever it is, you're believing in your heart and God's not doing. So when we're singing songs of praise, you're, you're kind of hesitant to fully go in because you're like, but God, you promised me. But when we're in the waiting room between what we desire and what we're believing for until our appointment, that wait matters. That wait matters. And so what, what, what can we learn today from Abraham and Sarah in terms of waiting? And how can we position ourselves to be ready for the very thing that we are waiting for? I think so often, and I think we're all guilty of this, so we could probably all raise our hand, but we get so focused on the blessings and the favor and the promises of God that we diminish what God is trying to change and do in our lives. And I don't think we mean to be that way. I don't think any of us came into this journey with the Lord, like, God, give me everything that you have. I just want a beautiful life. No, all of us came to Jesus at one point in our life, whether that was a few years ago or 20 years ago, broken, saying, God, if I can just have you. But over time, because of culture and because of the way that we see everyone's lives on social media and we see how perfect everyone's relationships are and we, we get to start comparing and we're like, well, God, do you favor them and not me? And, and do you have more favor for this family and not my family? And we begin to find ourselves bitter with God because we're not seeing that fruitfulness in our lives. I want to talk to you today just about a couple points of things that you can do and work on while you're waiting. Because, again, God's not concerned with just changing your circumstance. He wants to change you this morning. And if we can settle in our soul, knowing that God is control, we will stop striving and we will truly, truly surrender to what God has for us. I don't know about you, but I am someone who likes to do things, be in control of things. And it's really hard when I don't see God coming through. I'll try to step in and be God for myself. And I feel like even in the last season of my life, just to be honest with you, I was believing for something just in my life and ministry and things that I wanted to do, and it just wasn't happening. And I'm like, I've been living this for a long time. It's like you would know, you should know the practical, okay, God is in control, I should surrender. But I just found myself really, really striving and doing things in my own strength. And at the end of last year, I found myself, you guys, so weary, so weary, so heavy, so burnt out, so just longing for God to do something in my life that I had actually realized I had been removing and separating myself from his presence. And so we're going to go over this morning five ways to wait well. Look at your neighbor and say five ways to wait well. Five ways to wait well. When we're waiting, one of the things that we really need to remember is that we need to wait with purpose. We gotta wait with purpose. Not just with the intention or the goal of marriage. Not just with the intention or the goal of God giving us the thing that we've asked for. Not just saying, God, if you could just do, I'm, I'm doing this so that you'll do this. Because that's what we find ourselves in this cycle of a lot. It's like we, 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 we are bargaining with God and we don't even realize that we're doing it. 
I've had to correct myself so many times going into a season of fasting saying, am I fasting because I want Jesus or am I fasting because I want him to do something for me? And if your goal in, in fasting and your goal in surrender is saying, God, I'm doing this so you'll answer my prayer, then you've missed it. My husband and I actually did a 21-day fast, and we were believing for something specific. And we got to the end of the fast, and guess what? Nothing changed. And we were like, oh, we were fasting for us. We were fasting for our family. We were, we were fasting for our blessings. We were fasting so that God would do something. And God was like, no, I want you to fast because you want me. And so guess what we did? We took a couple days off and we said, hey, we're doing it again. We're going back. Because this time we're going for him. We're not going for what he can give us. It says in Matthew 6, 11, that God will give us our daily bread. So when you're waiting with purpose, you're believing for what God is doing today. I believe that so much of our anxiety, our depression, our fear, our worry is rooted in, God, show me what my yearly bread looks like. Show me what my 10-year plan of bread looks like. We find ourselves looking so far ahead and believing so far down the road that we get all this anxiety and fear like, God, are you going to show up? But in Matthew 6, 11, it says that God promises us what? Our daily bread. And so I want to remind you, as you're waiting with purpose, you need to remain in your daily bread. What is God doing for me today? What is God speaking to me today? What do my children need today? What does my husband need today? What does God need from me today? What does my church need from me today? What does the small group that I'm leading from me for, that I'm leading need from me today? Quit looking so far ahead and just saying, God, I am here and I am living on purpose. The best way that you can live on purpose is waking up every morning and saying, God, what do you need from me? How can I love you more? Waiting with, person, with purpose matters. Number two, when you're waiting, in order to wait well, you have got to wait with vision for your life. Proverbs 29, 18, it says, without vision, the people perish. How you see the season that you're in will determine how you get through it. Your perception about your life matters. Your perception about the season that you're in matters. We all know already that we are going to encounter the storms of life. Has anybody ever been through something? Go ahead and let's raise our hands. Have you ever been through a hard season? Have you ever been through a hard time in your life? How you see that season of your life will matter. How you perceive God during that season matters. Are you looking at God saying, God, you've forsaken me. God, you've left me. God, you're not faithful. God, I thought you would have showed up by now, but you haven't. Are you saying, God, I trust you. God, I'm gonna lean in a little closer. I'm gonna believe a little bit more. How you see the season you're in will determine how you get through it. And so if you're in a season and you're waiting for God to show up for you relationally, you're believing for your husband, you're single in this room, you're waiting for a breakthrough, and you're like feeling like God has punished you, well, then you've missed it. Every time I talk to singles, yesterday we were at a different conference in Arkansas and I was talking to all these young people and they were just asking me like, what is the one thing that you miss about traveling? Back when we were 19 and 20, we did a traveling ministry and I was like, I had no idea that that was the only time in my life that I would get that much time with God. I had no idea. 
And we were literally spending time with the Lord from morning till night. I mean, we were waking up. We were in prayer. We were going to services every night. We were with people every day. We were just always in God's presence. And I would say part of me took that for granted. I had no idea that 15 years later, I would be struggling to find time with the Lord. I mean, unless I wake up before my kids wake up or stay awake when they go to sleep, I'm not getting time with the Lord, okay? And I've had to make those disciplines in my life because I'm hungry. I've had to make those disciplines in my life because he's worthy. But in that season, I, I didn't even have vision. I knew, I kind of knew what I wanted. I kind of knew what God had called me to. But sometimes I would just grow so weary and I just felt like God had forsaken me. And what I didn't realize is God was like, all these years that you're single, I'm giving you things from me that's going to sustain you in the next season of your life. And I believe that those seasons when I was in God's presence is what sustains me today. And so when I'm waking up at seven and going to school drop off and then going to work and then to pick up and then to ballet and then to karate and then to basketball practice and then home and then to dinner and to bath time and to bed. I mean, you're like, where does, where does God fit into this schedule? Or that's what I say at least. I'm like, God... But what I had to realize is that God is with me at all times. He's with, he's with me in my car. He's with me outside on the scooters with my kids. He's with me at those practices. But it was the season of singleness and God's presence that has sustained my relationship with God today. And if you miss that season, if you miss that window of being with God in the presence of God, you're going to have to fight so much harder to get it in the next. Amen. Any parents in here is like, amen. We are just looking for time with God. And and here's the reality, guys. Sundays is just not enough. Sundays is not enough. You cannot rely on Rich and Mindy to give you your daily bread for the entire week. We have to be in God's presence. We have to make room for God's presence. So I just want to challenge you. If you are in the room today and you're like, man, I just need God, you, we, we got to make that margin. We have to wait with vision or we will perish. So we're going to wait with purpose. We're going to wait with vision and then we're gonna wait with strength. Isaiah 40, it says, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. I wanna give you some freedom this morning and let you know that it is okay to grow weary. It is okay to get tired in your relationship with the Lord. It is okay to have burdens. If you look through scripture, they address it several times. So it's not like God's surprised that your load is heavy in this season. God is not surprised by that. But he wants you to learn to wait with strength. Well, how do we wait with strength? We bring our burdens to Jesus. How do we bring our burdens to Jesus? We quit trying to control every facet of our lives. We quit trying to make things happen. We quit trying to get on every app and find the person and go on every date and figure it out. Go to every conference with the intention not to receive from God, but to find our significant other. We say, I surrender and I'm laying this at your feet. I'm gonna wait with strength. And as we lay things at the feet of, the at the feet of Jesus, that is how we grow stronger in the Lord. 
And he's looking for us every day to lay things down. He's looking for us every day to bring those burdens to him. And I think what we have to just get used to the idea that the heaviness is going to happen, but we're going to lay it down, we're going to trust the Lord, and we are going to go stronger. Because he wants to work that muscle in our lives where we're fully dependent on him. Every season of my life, I always think like, man, things are going to get easier, you know? Like in this faith journey, I'm like, okay, surely next season things are going to get so much easier. And even as raising a family, I kept thinking, oh, it's gonna, we're going to get a rhythm. Once my kids are all in school, once two of my kids are in school, once one of my kids are in school, that life's going to get easier. And I've, I've had these like markers. I think I said that backwards, but I've had these marks of like, okay, I have one in. It's, gonna, it's about to get so easy. And then my marriage is going to be so much better. Okay, the next season of life, all right, I have two kids in school. Right now, my three-year-old's still home with me. And I'm like, all right, next year, I am going to be focused. I am going to do all that God's called me to do because I am going to have school. But here's the reality. This has built strength in me in this season. The waiting builds strength in you. And your capacity grows when you get stronger. So if you're laying those burdens at the feet of Jesus and you're coming to him every day and saying, God, this is too heavy for me to carry. God, I'm just weary. I'm just over it. And you're gaining that strength. He is actually growing your capacity in that season. So that way when he gives you the promise, you're able to carry it. It's important that we remember that he's making us stronger, that our capacity matters. So we want to wait with strength. The next thing that we want to wait with is contentment. We got to wait with contentment. Have you ever been to an appointment? This is like the most frustrating thing in the world to me. And you're waiting, you're, you put your name on the list, and then you kind of sit down, and then someone behind you walks in, and then they take them straight back, and you're in the waiting room. Man, nothing is more frustrating to me in my life when my name is the name that was on the list first and I wrote it down myself and I go sit down in my seat and I am patiently waiting like a good citizen will, right? I'm like, I'm here. I'm on time for my appointment. That's the thing about me. I'm always going to be on time, okay? I am on time. I put my name in the book. I sat down in my chair and I see people walking in and they're just taking them back. That, that gets me so frustrated. I feel like when I was praying about this point, waiting with contentment, God was showing me that there are people that are seeing people get blessed before them and you've grown bitter towards God. You're like, wait, God. Why is their business blowing up like that? And I've been sowing into mine for years. Why is their child come back to the Lord? I've been praying for my son for 15 years and I haven't seen the fruition of that. Why is that person finding their husband? She doesn't even have good character. And we see people walking in front of us. See, we're laughing because this is true. We have these emotions. We think these things in our life. I hate seeing people go before me when I'm like the judge and I'm like, they do not deserve it. I do, Lord. But God wants to remind us today that we have got to learn to wait with contentment because your story is not their story. And sometimes when God has called you to things that are a little bit higher, if you want, if you can get a marriage, but if you want that godly marriage, if you want that 
man of God who's in his word, reading his Bible, leading his family, you might have to wait a little longer. You might have to get a little bit more content. You might have to be willing to sit in the waiting room and watch people walk in front of you who don't deserve it because you know that God is still working in your future husband's life and there's things in his life that aren't yet ready for you and he's actually working them out so that he can bring him into your life whole. My, my husband and I have this conversation all the time and maybe you do with your spouse. If we would have met each other even a year earlier, we would not be married. And that's true. I was broken and my husband had been a little bit more committed to his healing journey than I was. And if he would have met me even a year prior to when he met me, I was not ready for a man like, he, like Ryan. I was not ready. I still desired men that would reject me, men that would leave me, hurt me, abandon me, talk down to me, because that's all I knew. That's all I knew. So my appetite was attracted towards people who treat me poorly, but I just needed my rejection. My life was so bad that I clung to those type of people because I always thought if I can convince someone who's like that to actually find value in me, then I'll realize that I'm worthy. Just a year before I met my husband, loved the Lord, was in ministry, was a young adult's pastor, but broken, messed up, still needed some healing in my life, and was still attracted to things that were not for me. And I had to realize, like, man, God was prepping me. My husband was in my hometown. He was down the road. We, my, my house that I grew up in when my dad was a pastor was diagonal from his, his school that he went to. And God didn't let me meet him until I was 23 years old. And that was because God was preparing him and preparing me on separate journeys. And so we have to realize that we need to wait with contentment. Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says that he's made everything beautiful in his time. Look at your neighbor and say, his time. Wouldn't it be great if God did everything on our time? I just have that thought often. I'm like, man, God. I love when you come in with your time, but if you could come in on my time, you know, that would be really, really nice because there's a lot of things that I'm believing for even right now. It's like, man, like, God, where, where are you calling us? What are we doing? What, how, how is this going to look in the next five years? And God just keeps going, it's my time. It's my timing. It's my timing. And in every season, I've been able to always have, you know, you look back in hindsight and you're like, oh, now I see what you were doing. Now I see what you were doing. He's going to make everything beautiful in his time. And so we have to realize that even when we see people going ahead of us, even when we see people getting their promise before us, God is using that season to equip us. But what you do with that season matters. And so if you grow bitter and you grow weary and you start comparing and you get frustrated, it will literally walk you away from the promise of God. So we're going to wait with purpose. We're going to wait with vision. We're going to wait with strength. We're going to wait with contentment. And finally, we're going to wait with character. We're going to wait with character. Sarah and Abraham, they let the waiting get the best of them, if you read the whole story in Genesis. And they birthed something that caused a lot of generational burden, a lot of pain for the rest of their lives. And if you're here today, and you, you're like, man, that's my story. I got impatient, and I have found myself 
in a mess, and I'm still picking up the pieces from some of the bad choices that I've made, I want to tell you today that God can redeem your story. God can redeem your story. But God is asking us as a people today, when we're waiting, to wait with character. That we don't let our fear, that we don't let our frustration that we don't let our discontentment, our jealousy, our bitterness get the best of who we are, but we wait with character, that we wait with patience, that we wait with a surrendered heart, that we wait knowing that God is the only one who can give us good gifts. He's the only one who can actually be in control and give us the desires of our heart and see way ahead of what we can see in our lives. Sarah and Abraham had another son, as I read earlier. She said, man, I'm just tired of waiting, so go ahead, sleep with my maidservant, have a baby, and that will make us parents. She gave up. She tried to take matters into her own hands. She said, man, I, I, I know that God has promised us this, but I'm, I'm not seeing it work. So maybe if we do it the way that we think that we should do it, then God will bless it. And what we see is that that was never the Isaac that God was trying to give them. They grew weary. They grew hopeless. And I just wanna encourage you guys today that there is no shame, first of all, in anybody who has maybe stumbled through a waiting season. Because I'm gonna be the first to tell you, I've stumbled through a lot of waiting seasons in my life. I've had those moments where I've been in my room cursing God, like, what the heck? How could you do this to me? How could you leave me? How could you forsake me? I've given you everything. Why aren't you showing up for me? I am the first to tell you I have stumbled through waiting seasons. Stumbled, not my best character, not my best contentment, none of that. But what we can learn today is that there is a better way to handle these seasons. And if we lean into the right way to wait, when God delivers the promise, we don't have to then uncover all the shame that comes with how we had to wait, but we didn't do it well, and now this shame is covering us, and we can't even receive the promises of God with a good mindset or heart or openness because all we can think about is how terrible we waited. In 2020, my husband and I felt like we were supposed to step away from the church that we were in in Columbus, Ohio, and moved to Florida, <laughs> even saying it out loud, I'm like, this is crazy. Uh, we were like, we're gonna move to Florida and we're gonna take a season of rest and then God's gonna open a different door for us. We just felt like our season was over, but he did not tell us where we were going. So we were in faith, moving to Florida, no job, which in ministry, you just don't do that. I don't like, with, I'm sure you don't do that with a lot of jobs, but in ministry, you have to go from ministry job to ministry job. You don't normally take breaks like that, but we were weary. Our souls were weary, we were tired. It was affecting our marriage, it was affecting our kids. We were like, man, can we do this forever? Leading and being in church and in ministry is just tough, but we just followed the voice of God. We stepped away from our roles. We packed up a U-Haul. We had nothing waiting for us in Florida except for a little rental house and faith to believe that God was going to change our circumstance. 
And we moved to Florida in 2020. And I was ready for God to open the floodgates of heaven because he told us to move there. And guess what happened? COVID-19. Two weeks later, the world shut down. My husband could not get a job. Like I'm telling you, nothing would hire. I mean, people were laying, they were laying people off at every single nonprofit, job, workplace. I mean, he would have worked anywhere at that point because we were just needed income. And we were like, oh my goodness. We were just pastors in Columbus, Ohio, left our jobs, moved to Florida, and now we can't even get a job. And we thought, God, you have truly forsaken us. It took 12 months that felt like 12 years, to be honest. We had to work regular jobs. We were humbled in that season. God did miracles in our marriage. He did miracles in our family. And what we realized is that God was way more concerned with building us for the next season of our lives instead of letting us be destroyed in the current season that we were in. And during that season, you guys, like I said, I was mad at God. I was like, Lord, this is not it. This is not it. You, this is, you, you told us to move here. You gave us the signs. We prayed and you told us what to do. But every couple of months, he would reconfirm, this is where you're supposed to be. Just hold tight. This is where you're supposed to be. Keep pushing through. So many job opportunities opened up in different states. Hey, come pastor for us. Come work at our church. And I'm looking at my husband and we're like, I guess we're gonna stay here and just figure that, like it didn't even make sense. We felt like Noah building the ark with no rain. Like we're crazy. We're actually crazy. Our family thought we were crazy. No one understood what we were doing in that season, but God understood exactly what he was doing for us in that season. And he was building something within us that would sustain us four years later. And we're able to do ministry and life as a family in a way that we never, would have been able to do had we not gone through that season of full surrender, full dependency on Jesus Christ. And I just believe that for some of you in this room, you have been trying to knock down every door, asking God to get you out of a situation that you're in, asking God to open this relationship that you want so badly. And God is like, I just want you to remain. Can everyone go ahead and stand to their feet this morning? I just believe right now that God is releasing a grace over this church to wait well. Can everyone lift their hands right now? God, we ask that you would help us to wait well. God, we ask that you would help us to fully surrender. God, I ask right now, God, for people that came in with burdens. God, that people that came in who are struggling, people who came in today, God, who are frustrated and bitter with you, God, for not moving on their behalf. God, that you would renew our grace to wait right now in Jesus' name. With every eye closed and your heads bowed this morning, if you're in this room and you heard everything that I said, and you're like, man, I don't even know if I know that Jesus who helps you to wait well. I heard your story, the rejection, the fear, everything that you've been through, and you're like, I don't know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I want to give you a chance this morning to say yes to Jesus. So if you're here in this room right now on the count of three and you're saying, I don't know Jesus as the Lord of my, the Lord of my life, would you go ahead and raise your hand? We're going to pray for you. We're going to believe with you. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you. And if you're in this room and anything that I said to you this morning just convicted your heart and you're like, man, I have not been waiting well. I realize that I have been trying to be in control, that I have been trying to figure things out on my own, that I have been trying to get in front of God and fix my circumstances and you're in this room and you're like, man, my heart's not been in the right place. I've been believing for something and I'm not seeing it. If you're in this room today, would you go ahead and lift your hand and say, God, give me the grace to wait well. Give me the grace to wait well. Give me the grace to walk this out. Give me the grace to trust you. Give me the grace to fully surrender. Give me the grace to really believe God that you are exactly who you say you are. Jesus, we thank you right now. We thank you for the salvations in this room. We thank you for the people who are saying yes to you for the first time. And we thank you for renewed grace. God, I pray over every person right now who needed this word today, God, who's grown weary and well-doing, God, who's, who's found themselves birthing Ishmael's and, and, and taking matters into their own hands, God. I thank you right now, God, for people who have been, been believing for something for one and five and 10 and 15 years, God. Renew their strength today, God. Renew their waiting season today, God. Help them to wait and hold on to who you are, God. Remind them of your character. Remind them of their history with you. God, that you are the same today and forevermore. God, we love you and we trust you. We're getting ready to go into a song, but if you're here and you need special prayer this morning, you're like, man, the weight has got the best of me. I don't know if there's a prayer team, but if you have a prayer team, can we get them down here in the front? And you're saying like, man, I just need someone to believe with me. I wanna invite you during this song that we are gonna pray with you and believe with you this morning, amen? Thank you for joining us today. If you're looking for more information or resources, you can visit mybigchurch.com or follow us on social media at mybigchurch. We love you guys. See you soon.